them up, knock them down. I'm the greatest in my town. I'm the greatest. What's up, guys? Welcome to the OGFY podcast. Caleb here. Um, here with my buddy Luke, best friend, business partner, partner in crime. Um, and we're very, very excited about today's episode. We're touching the topic of fear. Um, a lot of people see fear in a negative way, and I think it could be used in a very, very positive way as well. Um, so we're here to talk about just fear in general. I mean, what are your greatest fears? Overcoming fear are inspirations that talk about fear and how it's helped them and um, just going from there. Dude, fear is such a specific topic, such a interesting topic and such like a topic of you can hit it right in the head or people can be like, I have no, no idea what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. But fear for me and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm pretty sure for you, it's like something that like, dude, we, we've come to love fear, but it's all, it's because of a lot of interactions with it. Because I could say for probably most people that fear is a very interesting relationship. Um, it's taken a hold of you. It's controlled a lot of your life. And when you have controlled fear itself, it might be like the most pleasing experience that you can like remember because fears suck, man. They, they can really, really mess with a lot of things, but then once you conquer them, they can really, really unlock like the rest of your entire life. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one thing we talked about was, you know, how your fears kind of change as you get older and, you know, uh, we talked about, you know, you're the youngest, so it's a little different for you, but like, I'm the oldest in my family and my younger siblings would get so upset or, or scared of something. Um, you know, like we talk about, like, my, like I was scared in seventh grade about like looking shitty the first day of school, like, fuck, so oh. I'm has got to start over. Yeah. And that, that quote itself literally is why you and I are best friends. <laughs> and, yeah. That's a quote. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, uh, I don't know if that's for you. Um, <laughs> but like, dude, I get it because even then, like, uh, secret secret about luke bockenstay here right now there were only two two days in seventh grade where i didn't wear pants because i didn't have shorts that made me feel like i was super confident so i just wore oh, jeans yeah. and pants every you day. did always wear jeans now that i look dude, back. crazy <laughs> and then looking back at it you i barely ever wear pants and if i do they're like joggers where i'm just like these are just comfy i don't care if i look good there's like they're comfier than pants dude exactly and yeah, as you get older those fears of certain things just become so irrelevant you're like why did i even care about how i looked or what that person thought of me or you know all that all that dumb stuff um but i mean i had a question just to start us off and that was kind of like for the audience and for us like what are our greatest fears um and just kind of riff off that and just go from there so based off of the idea of like uh there used to be something like we just we just said, yeah, me, me, uh, two day Luke, I was two, two day shorts and I don't know, every other day pants. So how about we go through this way? We'll go through a timeline of fears. So I'll start first and you can go second. Cause I'm sure there's a, quite a few that, uh, were similar. And there's quite a few were just like, uh, really, that was yours. This is mine. Yeah. Um, so we'll go like, I don't know, middle school, high school, like college and after. So, um, we'll start middle school for me, but I mean, it was honestly younger in middle school. It was, uh, fear on the field of failing my dad and it was like for me it was baseball a little bit of hockey because I was a hockey player growing up too and but it was just like knowing that my dad put so much work into my baseball career when I was younger as well as me uh striking out going over three knowing that we put 10 to 12 hours the week before the game and yeah. hitting not pitching well he hits me 500 ground balls that week and then two balls go through my legs that weekend when I'm 12 or 13 and I'm yeah. in the car fighting tears because I'm not even upset I messed up. I'm not even upset that I let my team down. I'm more upset. I was just like, I let my dad down because I know how much time he put into it. I'm also afraid because, yeah. you know, our dad demanded a lot and there was never anything like crazy intense. But when you're 12 or 13, them being annoyed with you, pissed or frustrated is intense. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I can a hundred percent agree with you. That's literally my biggest fear in middle school was definitely Big Scott. And for those of you who don't know who Big Scott is, that is my pops. And uh, that's when he was overweight. So he was Big Scott. Um, he's, he his, name's Big changed, Scott. his name's changed now. He's Yoke Scott. Uh, he looks like he punches harder now. But, and, um, but back then, I was just so scared. Well, he, uh, he, looks like, he looks like Thanos. That's yeah, why. He does. Thanos uh, is a fit, fearful mofo. <laughs> that's what Scott looks like. He's, he's way easier to talk to now, Thanos, than Big Scott. Um, Big Scott would get so, so riled up. Um, but yeah, I was so scared to disappoint him because like you said, we've spent countless hours off, off of our practice team or our, our normal team, like by ourselves with our dads, 
uh, running, fielding ground balls, hitting, doing all the extra stuff. And they put so much money, time and effort into us. It was like, dude, if I strike out, I'm just disappointing you or, you know, and then it just gets me riled up and I start playing emotionally and I'm crying and I, it's just, it's, it's a mess. It was like the biggest, and it was all because of, like you said, your dad, I didn't care. My teammates knew that like you screw up, you know? And I wasn't even mad that I screwed up. Like you talked about, it was just what my dad was going to say after that. Um, and there's actually a funny moment, which you probably remember where the OC Toros, our baseball team, um, after, I forgot, I think we were just hitting in the cages and something happened and my dad got pissed and he goes, uh, everybody on the wall right now. And he sits everybody down on the wall and he goes one by one and just starts ripping everybody. Like, I think Trey Tinsley definitely got it the worst. I think that day, um, <laughs> but he gets to, he gets to you and he literally goes, you know what, Luke, I have nothing bad to say about you. And he just moves on. And I'm like, everybody's like, what the fuck, dude? Fuck Luke. Like, what the hell? <laughs> this guy's just perfect. So, uh, but no, I think everybody our age, uh, middle school is scared of big Scott. So I don't think it was just me or you who shared that common fear. So dude, another uh, small detail you mentioned in there that now thinking about it was actually, it really messed with me when I was a little kid, like getting kind of real here for a second was uh, money. I know that my dad or my parents put a lot yeah. of money into me playing baseball mm-hmm. and hockey. And also, you know, knowing that I had older siblings, so there was money going in there with my brother in hockey and my other siblings. Like, there was money going around. And, like, when you're a little kid, you don't – you have no idea where the money goes. No. And also, when you're 13, 20 bucks is $2,000. And $2,000 $2, is $2 million. Yeah. So it was the idea of just, like, whatever – if he, he wasn't training me and we had to pay for somebody and it was, like, 600 bucks that week and I knew it was 600, I knew it was 600 bucks, but I didn't know, like – 600 bucks was 600 bucks when I was 12. 600 bucks was, again, $6 million to me. So, yeah. if, like, if I got lessons or anything and then I went and, like, sucked over the weekend and, like, just didn't perform well, it, like, really, really messed with me when I was a little kid. And I For remember sure. when we were, tw- like, you know, when you're 11, 12, or 13 playing travel baseball, uh, there are a ton of tournaments all around the country that you can go to. And uh, I was fortunate enough, you know, to, to be pretty good when I was 12. And, you know, fast forward a few ladies and then the bar dips and things happen. But, <laughs> when, I, no, but when I was 12, I got invited. I, I still remember to this day, I got invited to nine different out-of-state tournaments with teams I didn't even play for. Yeah, I went, I went with you on one of them. <laughs> yeah, you did. And there's a funny story I can tell about yeah. that, too. Um, <laughs> with respect to the, me piggyback, piggybacking off of you in Hawaii thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, I mean, literally New York, Omaha, Florida, Arizona, Vegas, just a bunch of different places. And my dad turned down some of them and I turned down most of them where coaches approached me and I asked him not to ask my dad because I was just afraid of him spending the money. Yeah. Cause I was just afraid of the idea of like, uh, if we fly out there in the hotels and paying for it, this and that, and if it costs you anything and I, and we don't win everything, it's going to like, it's going to really mess with me. And it was one of those things where if I talked to my dad 10, 15 years later oh, about yeah. that, it would be like, like, dude, like, honestly, that would have cost a grand and you would have had the time of your life. And I wish you would have told me and all of those things. But when exactly. you're that young, it's like, I was so scared of letting him down that way. And even and looking back at it, like, you know, you mentioned that money played a huge part in that for me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't even imagine like, and that's funny. Cause that's literally, I think the root of the disappointment is like, dude, my dad spent so much money on, on this training. Like, I mean, we used YouTube and my dad would buy training equipment. We'd go out there and he spent money on this thing and this thing and this thing. And just to try to make me better. Like, that's it. Like, you know what I mean? And in hopes yep. that eventually it pays off one day and, and you get to live the life you want to live and that maybe you get your school paid for, whatever it is. But, you know, we're not, we're not dads yet, but I'm sure that we could probably speak for some saying that it's probably their pleasure to be able to do that, to pr- provide th- certain things for you to be able to, to work hard at what you want to do. Um, and I talked to a guy, I'm, I'm on, Ho- on Hawaii right now or in Hawaii right now on the big Island. Um, and I talked to a dad who was talk- talking about his kids um, and pretty much saying he asked his son, he was like, he was like, if you want to do this football stuff, we're going to dive in. You know what I mean? And he's taking money to, to take trips places and go to camps and, and do all this stuff. And he's like, if he really wants to do this, I'm going to give him all the tools that he can. And, um, you know, that kind of leads into a different thing as far as like, whatever your situation is, you can make it work, whether you're rich and you use all the resources you can, or, you know, you don't come from, from a lot of money and you're scraping for stuff, but you can still use that to your yeah. advantage to get where you want to be. Um, so don't let fear of your financial situation or where you're at. Um, you know, there's kids out here on the island that don't get the opportunity that guys in the mainland do. Um, but I explained to him, you know what, dude, that might be your advantage because you have something inside of you that, that you're, you're digging a little deeper and that you're grinding every day and you're working out three times a day that some of those guys that are, 
live in privileged in different places are just working out once a day with their trainer and they're calling it a day, you know? So um, yeah, totally. I think, I think uh, sometimes preparation could also eliminate the fear itself. Um, just knowing you put that work in and that you've spent those times with your dad. Um, Dude, totally. So riffing off of that is walks into um, really quickly. Let's go to the high school, college and after, because oh, yeah, I think yeah. it talking about it, uh, because we've got listeners of different ages and yeah. thinking about um, there's things that, you know, that used to scare us when we were in high school to kids that or people that people might be scared of now, you know I mean? 10 years yeah. later. Um, for me in high school, it was, uh, it was probably lack of preparation, which is kind of weird knowing how hard you and I worked. Yeah. Yeah. I could in see high that. school, but it was a fear that I wasn't putting in the right kind of work. And looking, that, back, yeah. looking back at it, it was, I should have been scared of that because it was effing true. Um, but it was the idea of maybe it ties back into a d- deeper thing and a deeper fear and all of that stuff. But it was the idea of you and I spent a lot of time in the weight room because you and I were trying to look good and impress a bunch of people, whether it's because of social media and Instagram and things of like, uh, anytime you and I had our shirts off when you were in high school, like we wanted to be the dudes that were in good shape. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was because of that that I used to put more time into the weight room than I used to do my hitting and fielding and stretching and stuff for baseball, which was actually more important to me than anything else. And there was always this like deep underlying fear of mine of just like, uh, Luke, you're not putting the right kind of work in. And I never actually attacked it. And years later, uh, with some elbow issues, shoulder issues, back issues, and then not hitting well enough and playing well enough, I hung the cleats up. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I could, I can totally agree with that. Um, you know, I think I'm still today motivated by the fear of being average or the fear of not putting enough work. And I think that's why I'm so, I get so psycho. Cause I'm like, someone else is outworking me. Um, so it's like, okay, I'm going to go do that extra stuff. And like you talked about the other podcasts, like sometimes you got to train smarter, not harder, uh, listen to your body, do all that good stuff, the right stuff, stretching, like you said, range of motion stuff. Um, your skill set. That's what you're working on. But I think I was definitely, I could say for high school and college, I think the fear of being average um, and the fear of not living the lifestyle I want to live as far as like having the freedom financially and just time-wise. Um, yeah, I mean, but a big thing that I feared in high school and even still a little bit after college is the fear of not making, not making it. And I think if I could put that into the right words, it's like, my whole life, I've just told people I'm going to go pro. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And not doing it, I feel like I have this fear of, like, not meeting the expectation I set for myself and people viewing me that way. Like, oh, Caleb didn't even go pro. Like, whatever. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. But I just – I've wanted that for so long and, and to prove people wrong, you know. It, it, it's been for selfish reasons that I want to go pro just to be like, yeah, I did it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got that call. I, I got, you know, that opportunity. Um and I think it is fear that kind of drives it. Like, like, what are people going to think of me if I don't make it type, you know what I mean? Like, or I'm a, totally. I'm not as successful because I didn't, I didn't do the thing I said I was going to do. Which is, I mean, one of those things where you look back at a little bit, a little bit of time has passed, you look back at it and all those fears are external. You know what I mean? They're all oh, like, absolutely. they're fears based off of like potential of what other people think about you, which is so messed up, but also what everybody gets caught into. Like yeah. when I was in college, uh, and I was contemplating like, dude, should I drop out or not? Cause I hated school. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Like when I explain to people, like I was, I was pretty good at school and, but I hated it. Like just, and people would be frustrated. Like, dude, like I can't, like I struggled in school. How are you going to give up? And all those things, which I hated school. So when I decided to drop out, one of my fears were just like, uh, I can't fail now. You know what I mean? Like I dropped out, told everybody else they were wrong. And I can't fail. Like I have to figure it out now. Exactly. And it was one of those things where ultimately years later, it ended up being one of the biggest blessings of my life. It was just like, I learned really quickly that I like to be in the deep end and figure out how to swim rather than swim. like, you know, Super rather swim. than being in the shallow end with a bunch of floaties. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Cause I think that's where failure becomes positive when, you know, Will Smith said it the best in that video where he's like the best things in life are on the other side of fear. And, uh-huh. um, I think that that is so true because sometimes you don't even do the things you really want to do because you're so scared of these outcomes that may never even happen. You start putting all these situations in your head that literally aren't even true. You're jumping to conclusions that 
you know, oh, what if this happens and this happens? This happens? Like, dude, how about step one is just start doing it or, or just try it. Or, you know what I mean? We get so ahead and caught up in the what ifs and this, what could happen instead of just focusing your energy on the here and now and just making the best out of the situation that that's at hand. You're so scared of these outcomes that literally could never happen sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, so that other side of fear is when, is when great things happen. I think, what was it? Skydiving he was talking about where he's like, you know, you're so scared and you're building up all this fear and jumping out of the plane. He's like, dude, and then you jump out of that plane and it is just bliss and it is just amazement in the world. Yeah. And it's like this calming and you're in the air, like flying, you know, and it's like, and you, you get so stressed out before those moments. And it's like, um, I mean, I can relate it to like punt returning uh, in football. It's like my heart's beating out of my chest. I'm like, you have all these crazy thoughts in your head, like don't drop it. Or if I drop it, we're going to lose this game or, or whatever the case is. Big situations like fourth fourth and four and you know on the fourth on the four yard line and you got to go in and score to win the game you know all these situations where you're just building up all these all this stress and what ifs and and then the play happens and you catch the game when you touchdown or you catch that punt and make something happen it's like it just it goes away it's like on the other side of all those thoughts I mean imagine what it'd be like if you're just feeding yourself positive thoughts you know so speaking of football there's a Brian Dawkins reference you made a couple days ago what was that I want, I want everybody else to hear that. Yeah, so um, if you have not seen this video, it's Weapon X, Brian Dawkins. I think you could type and it pops up. And um, for those of you who don't know who Brian Dawkins is, it's a shame if you don't, but he was a, a phenomenal football player, safety for the Philadelphia Eagles, um, played for the Broncos at the end of his career. Um, and, dude, he was an animal. So the reason I like it is he, he calls himself Weapon X, and he's a big Wolverine guy. Um, that's like his, his favorite, uh, comic book character, his superhero. That's his guy. Like you're Batman. I'm Superman. He's Wolverine. Right. Um, and the thing about him, it's, it's his alter ego. Um, so off the field, he's like this super nice, well-spoken, super intelligent dude. Um, he doesn't curse. Um, and he, he taps into this other side of him before he steps onto the field. Like he has like a little ritual that he does at his locker. He like oils his arms up. He likes to look good. He, he does this uh, nose strip over his nose. Um, he, he does like this little routine and he taps into this alter ego that just takes him to a whole other level on the field where he's blowing people up. He just doesn't give a shit about his own personal health. He's going to die on that field for his team. And there's a part of the video where he, he hurts his neck and he's crying on the field. And he explains that he's like, I wasn't crying because I felt pain. I was crying because I had to leave that field for my teammates. And that's like how deep in like, side of this alter ego he gets because off the field he's this nicest dude you know what I mean and there's a lot of people that you probably know that can flip that switch in sports that are just like dude lights come on and this guy is just business 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 and he's an animal and he's so mean on the field you know um so that alter ego I think kind of eliminates the fear of what people think about you because you feel like you're just somebody else and you're living that that life you want to live or being that person that you want to be without being yourself totally I mean Probably the biggest person uh, sports-wise for me that thinks of that example is Kobe Bryant, you know what I mean? Because if you, you see Kobe yep. Bryant off the court and you would always see a dude that was just so well-spoken, calm, soft-spoken, like he would just talk like this all the time. And people in interviews would be like, dude, Kobe, can you speak up? You're Kobe Bryant. If yeah. I get this quote, I get a promotion. I need you to talk to me. Yeah. And then, like, he's – he won, a, like, what was it, an Oscar or something? And he – uh writes children's books and I mean the guy is so wickedly talented and soft-spoken and nothing like he is on the court because on the court it's uh hey dude it's do or die and I'll be at your funeral it's mama like, mentality baby you know what I mean that's just one of those things and what's funny is that you brought up uh I love Batman and it's <laughs> it's like uh yeah I do love Batman like that's for sure but also it's just like the idea of like uh Batman and Iron Man are really funny when you talk about concrete fears because there's an instagram uh thing i posted a year ago um about how iron man can help you conquer your, fe your fears because uh there's these superheroes uh before they become superheroes they're these people who are held back by their fears um you could go into the actual comics of why they're held back by their fears but it's not until like they get this alter ego for batman it was he was bruce wayne and for iron man he was tony stark and then they got these suits and these alter egos and then they're able to become these heroes that they were and be able to do all the things that they want to do but like in real life, you know who the biggest uh, alter ego in, like person is, is uh, Eminem. You know, in real life, he's Marshall Mathers. And then he becomes a rapper and he tries to be Eminem. But even then, as he's a white dude in Detroit trying to figure out how to rap with a hugely 
African-American crowd telling them that this isn't where you're supposed to be, you're not good enough, all of these negative situations, all these negative words, he creates this identity called Slim Shady. And when he's Slim Shady, he can do anything he sets his damn mind to, and he can ultimately, in my opinion, become the best rapper that's ever picked up a mic. And it's because when he's Slim Shady, dude, nothing matters. When, he can, when he's Slim Shady, his thoughts, the verses, the words, the ideas, everything comes out. And that's the way that we all want to be. You know, we all want to say the things we want to say and not feel bad about them, you know, and be relentless about our ideas and be respectful about them at the same time. But like Slim Shady allowed him to do everything that encompassed who Marshall Mathers was, like behind alter ego, but that it grew up as a, or blew up to be, that's Eminem. Slim Shady, Eminem, and Marshall Mathers are all one. And it took a bit to get there, but it took Slim Shady to get there first. Absolutely. And it's funny because I kind of have like an eight mile, uh, like choking moment, dude. Like, and it was based off fear. And I mean, could have changed the whole direction of my life, maybe. But um, when I was a little kid, I was like, super raw at rapping. Like, I could, I could, I'm like, I'm still really good to this day about memorizing movie lines and music. And for whatever it is, I'm just, I picked that stuff up really fast. Right. Um, and in Pop Warner, I played with, uh, with Little Warren, and that is, his dad is Warren G, who is the music producer, rapper. Um, brother Elijah is a stud at uh, USC, uh, plays corner. He's, a, he's, an, he's awesome. Um, and so we were kind of introduced to, like, people like Snoop and um, all this kind of stuff. And so we were at Elijah's birthday party when we were kids. And first of all, I remember we drove there. And I was just already so scared. So I made my dad drive like 20 more minutes to go get Tony. Um, so I felt more comfortable to go get my, my best friend at the time to go to this party with me. Right. And uh, at the time, my dad told Warren, he's like, dude, Caleb can rap on your songs like like the back of his hand. Like he, he's nice with it. You know what I mean? And Warren's like, oh, for real? Like, all right. And so uh, so they were like they had the stage up and like it was all crazy. A bunch of people. I think I think Bow Wow was there. I think Dre was there. Um, and uh warren like told my dad like yo let's get caleb on there to rap the song and they start playing the song and i get up there and i grab the mic and i literally choke and just hand my dad the mic and walk off stage like like eight mile type bro and it was ridiculous and i was probably like fifth or sixth grade um but i mean i mean and that's the thing like who knows where life would have been if i was a fifth, a fifth grader and rapped this warren g song at the back of my hand and just murdered it in front of all those people like my whole life could, you know what i mean like you never know what could happen so it's like you know, obviously everything's worked out for a reason. I'm here, whatever. But, you know, at those times where the fear starts to take over, like you got to be able to push through and think of the what if on the positive side. Like if I nail this right now, this could change the whole direction of my life and it could change it forever, you know? So funny little story, but um, looking back, I am like actually really upset that I didn't rap. Cause like now, now Caleb would be like, dude, what the, grab me that, give me that mic, bro. I'm about to murder this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Back then I was like, wait, like, I'm like, you know, I, I don't belong, you know, I don't know. I'm not a rapper. Like, you know, I was all like nervous yep. as a kid. Um, so. Yeah. And I think it's one of those, uh, when you even just saying that the idea of I'm not a rapper, then it's just like a self-imposed title. Like, uh, I'm not this. And, you know, and even that makes people like, so terrified to even start you know what i mean oh, well it's for us it's just the idea of starting a podcast it's uh starting your own business starting becoming an entrepreneur um just anything you know what i mean and there's a there's like a realization i had and it um maybe it's my maybe it's like naive in an idea or maybe it's not it's the idea of just like when people are afraid to start it's because like they're afraid of failure before even starting like they're afraid to suck yeah. at something that they've never tried before but like, think about it. You're afraid to suck at something you never tried before. Like, why? Yeah. You're supposed to suck at something you never tried before. Like, if you were great at something you never tried before, then you wouldn't be the only person to be able to do that. And then great wouldn't even be a definition anymore. You know what I mean? It would just 100%. be average. Like, 100%. sucking at something, one, is part of the process. And then two, the process is learning. And the three, sticking out the process of learning is what makes you great. And anybody who's great is someone who's stuck out the entire process. Because if you skip the whole process, then it's just everybody's great which means everybody's fucking average 100 percent. and i got a, i got a couple points on what you just brought up it just sparked a freaking wheel turning in my head and first thing you said about was pretty much what the four amendments talk about the book and it's being impeccable with your word you're sitting here saying i am not this i'm not that you're making an agreement with yourself that you are not that thing and so you're going to just sit there in your mind and think that that's not you and that you suck at it and whatever right um so the one thing is being impeccable with your word we can go into a whole podcast about that alone but just your, your brain and your body knows what you say to it. So 
be impeccable with your word, talk good things into existence. We already talked about that. Um, the thing of failure before you even start, um, it's funny because literally today, um, shout out to my girlfriend. She just posted her, um, launched her new uh, multimedia company, uh, mini multi on Instagram. Uh, she does some OGFY stuff for us. She does highlight film. She's awesome. And before she launched it, she was sitting here telling me like, I don't think I'm good. I don't, you know, I don't know. And we literally just had this conversation and I'm like, dude, how are you going to know if, if you don't start, like you got to start somewhere and then you progress and you get better and you get better. And so we talked about on Instagram the other day about patience, like it's micro progression. I mean, you know, some people are blessed and they could pick up a guitar and start strumming it and they could dunk a basketball and they can play the piano. You know what I mean? Like, uh, my college roommate, Cal Sweet, was unre- he could do everything. Like, the guy played football, he played baseball, he played basketball, he plays the piano. And I'm like, there's people like that that are just talented, right? I mean, you can't put your finger on it. They just, they know how to do stuff. But for most of us, like, I have to learn a skill and I have to do research and I have to apply it and I have to get better every day. So some stuff doesn't happen overnight. And like you said, you got to start somewhere and you're supposed to suck the first day. I mean, if I look back at, and again, on fear, like, when I was a freshman in college, my biggest fear every single practice was one-on-ones. I absolutely hated one-on-ones. I was so embarrassed. I felt like I shouldn't even be on the field with these guys. I got pressed. I barely got off the line a couple times. Um, it was literally embarrassing. And all I could think about was, and a lot of football players can relate, like fear of, of film the next day, like being in that film room and just getting murdered and embarrassed on film. And then you realize that everybody's been there before, right? And now I look back my senior year and I'm like, I love one-on-ones. I'm, I'm please let's get, go man-to-man coverage. Like, let me, let me work you off this line and route you up. You know what I mean? So it's like, it takes time. It took time for me to develop those skills and become a better football player to have confidence in my, in myself to do those things. Dude, then to, that just brings up another idea of just like a uh, fear of watching film the next day is probably because possibly here's an example of like, you got called on something, for example, and you, so, hey, Fossum, what is this person doing here? Like, give me this example and you freeze, you know, give the right answer. And then all of a sudden you're scared shitless of getting asked that question again for the next mm-hmm. week. Yeah. That happened to me. I was in my very first internship. It was my very first like opportunity in a real badass, awesome, like workplace and a very important person at the company in the middle of a meeting in front of like seven or eight people, important people were just like, hey, what do you think about this? I was 19. I zoned out. He said, he asked me what I thought about that. And I don't remember my answer, but it was so unimpressive. <laughs> and for the next two weeks, I was terrified. I would be asked the question again, terrified. You know, what would have helped that my answer and helped my fear. If I would have just paid attention in the damn meeting. Yeah. Or it's like being the guy that's scared to get picked on for popcorn reading. Like, fuck, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. Please don't oh, pick dude, me. Yeah. <laughs> dude, Seriously though. Like, me, someone now who just like, if I have an opportunity to speak in public or, oh, yeah. or speak on the camera and I'm all about it. Cause I just, I enjoy it now, but dude, that was me. Terrible. I used to hate public speaking. I was, I was just going to ask you to talk about that. Yeah. I used to hate public speaking for like, if you want to talk about a real fear, I grew up with a lisp since I was younger. And then since I was like born, I've always had a little bit of a underbite. I just had to let her check my teeth. Cause I was like, is it an underbite or an overbite? <laughs> so underbite. And then when I was seven years old, I got hit in the mouth. Uh, Like my top two front teeth, one was knocked backwards and never got fixed. When I was like seven years old, I got hit in the mouth when I was playing hockey. And then when I was in high school, shout out Jonah Arenado, (laughs) Nolan Arenado's brother, he hit a ground ball, bad hop, hit me in the mouth, and I I blacked out for like 20 seconds, got back up, and I ended up having to go to like the emergency or the urgent care or whatever to get my like jaw and tooth fixed. But it knocked it back even further forever. I was terrified of public speaking because my tooth was all messed up. And but then I was thinking this idea. If somebody's gonna take time to listen to you, lisp or not, like you can you struggle to speak English or not, the person on the other end of listening to you, whether that's on a podcast right now, or whether it's our listeners, whether it's in a room, whether it's one-on-one, the last thing that they want you to do is suck. <laughs> yeah. You're taking their time. They, they're rooting. The people listening to you are fucking rooting for you. Yeah. You're taking time of their lives. And as soon as I realized that, because I was speaking to somebody and, these, and I was speaking to somebody that was like higher up than me in this, in this company and all these things. And I was trying to impress them. And I got really overwhelmed. And I was like worried about my list because I was presenting in front of like 10 people. And he's like, dude, like it's, you're taking an hour of our time. We want you to crush it right now. And he said that. And I was like, I can totally, you're right. I can totally oh, yeah. crush this. 
Yeah. Like, I, what am I thinking about right now, dude? And like, from the last three years, I'm like, dude, anytime I have an opportunity to get, like, to speak for one on one, hundred on one, two hundred on one, I'm like, dude, give me an opportunity. I'm in. I'm there. Because it's like they want they want you to do well. There might be one or two that's just like wishes bad upon you, but they don't. They've got internal things like going on. They don't yeah. wish don't bad, take bad it upon personally. you. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, they got other stuff that's going on, but like literally, they want you to do well. Oh, 100%. And the thing that's funny that you touch on that, I mean, anybody can look back at some point in their life and be like, look at the progress I've made. Like, it's sometimes it's good to check out how far you've come. And the funny thing about the alternate ego and fear and everything that's kind of tying into this is I used to text you about everything. Like, dude, should I post this picture? Should I say this? Should I, should I do this? Should I, should I, should I? And then you're like, dude, do you want to post that fucking picture? Then fucking post it. Like, it's that simple. You know what I mean? And I'm like, but I care about what people think of me and I have this image to uphold and whatever the fuck. And now I'm like, dude, like as I'm older, I'm like, fuck everybody. If you don't like me, cool. If you don't want to listen to my podcast, cool. That's fine. I'm going to put what I want out in the world. And if you like it, cool. If you don't, then cool, whatever. It's maybe not your cup of tea. That's fine. I wish the best for you. And the funny thing about starting OGFY and starting, um, you know, it's, it's almost an alternate ego. It's a page where we could post the post of things that we really want to post. Right. Totally. And then I started to realize like, but I have my, my own page where I should post the things I want to post. And it kind of becomes an alter ego where over this process of creating OGFY and getting better at talking in first person on the phone, like you've helped me do. And all these kind of skills I've learned, it's like, these people follow me for a reason and it's for content. And it's like, it, it's like, that's what the whole point of this fucking thing is, is to post pictures and to post videos and, and the podcast. People are obviously listening because they want to listen. So it's like, give them good content. Like you said, they want you to do good. It's like, if you, if you're listening, hoping that we suck, that's fine. I mean, whatever. But it's just funny that when you get older, those fears become less. Like now I don't give a shit. Like I'm going to post what I want, when I want, you know what I mean? And, and it's like the, the fear just becomes less and less once you get older and you get through all this stuff where you really realize like, it's not that big of a fucking deal. And I really don't know if it made any sense right now, but in my head it did. And yeah. No, because you, you said something that like <laughs> the way that you reacted was like, if you like it, cool. If you don't, cool. But like, it may have slipped through some people's minds. So I want to revisit real quick because it's like yeah. that right there. If that's all you got from the whole podcast was, <laughs> yeah. was that like, literally there's very few things and that will ever say in a podcast that will actually hit as hard as that idea was. Cause it's the idea of like, if you don't like it, cool. You don't hate me. Like you don't wish bad upon me and I don't wish bad upon you. You don't like something I put out into the world. That's okay. We disagree on that point or two. That doesn't mean we can't be friends, communicate, support each other in general. Absolutely. We might disagree on a point or two. Like, and if you like it, cool. If you really like it, cool. But I'm also not going to completely change my entire life based off of you liking my stuff. I create something based off of what I liked. And if you, you vibe with it, cool. And if you don't, cool. It's so just like, like it's just relieving and just awesome and like great when you understand it's, it's never too high and it's never too low. It's Ever. always just kind of like right in the middle, you know, like you oh, like it cool, you don't cool. But like, that's, that's as much as I'm going to give like the whole entire thought process of like impact. You know what I mean? Whether you love it so much or you hate it so much, it, either one's not really going to impact me that much because I'm doing what I want to do. And I know more importantly, I'm doing what's authentic to like what I, I believe in. That's how many fucks you're going to give and it's zero about what yep. you feel about me. No, but um, it's funny when you said it's not too high, it's not too low. I think of like, football guys can probably relate like I'm waiting and film I'm like fuck they're gonna get to this one play oh god you're just dreading this play and you see it you're like oh it didn't look that bad on film yeah I mean like but in, <laughs> at the game like dude you'll make you'll do something and like I'll miss a block and I'm like fuck that's gonna suck tomorrow and that leads me to another point of like like you said you were so scared at this internship and you're so scared and football players can relate like they're so scared of their coach the position coach or whatever it is that you're not performing at your potential because you're playing based off fear. Like, dude, if you just played my senior year when I was a, when I was a vet on the team and I was a captain and I was comfortable, um, you know what I mean? I just felt so much better um, than I was as a freshman because you're, you're playing off fear of, of fucking up as, instead of your, your instinct and what you've learned to do your whole life and what you've been taught and what you've literally crafted for years and years and years. It's like, what is there? I mean, what's the worst that happened? I mean, yeah, shit can happen, but like, like we said, put that positive energy into doing something good. And that's where I think fear can be positive is like you prepared, you're ready to roll. Use that fear to motivate you to do positive shit. Dude. Then it comes back to this idea of it's the fear of performing to impress. Yes. Versus 
performing to actually fucking produce. Mm-hmm. So this is a thing. I had a fear of performing in like the job to impress my bosses. You know what would have been impressed? Like would have impressed them? Doing my damn job really, really well. That would have been your fucking job. Yeah, give, giving them results. Like, hey, we put Luke in the spot. This client liked it. These results happen. Plus minus, Luke's a plus for the day for sure. But it's just like Luke was kind of scared. He actually kind of froze on that thing. Because of that, it kind of messed with his work the rest of the week. And uh, Luke was even or maybe even a minus because you asked him that one question on Monday and it messed with him through all, all the way through Friday. It's because, like, we're trying to, like, do these things to impress people rather than produce for our damn job, or produce whatever the, whatever the task at hand is. You know what I mean? Like, a podcast right now, four people listen to this, for example. Only four people. If we're producing it to try and impress 4,000 people that we don't even have yet, then we're not doing our damn jobs. If we're producing it for the result of one of those four people DMs us like they did this week, both of us got DMs of like, hey, I have a question based off of this and it actually helped me. And we had full DM conversations. One of those four people that we impacted, that was our job. That we, we said that in week one, in episode one, and that's what we're set out to do in every single episode. Absolutely. And I love that phrase of do your job. It's the Bill Belichick Patriot way. It's uh, Mike Leach instilled it in us at Washington State. Um, you know, Nick Saban, a lot of the business owners, just do your job, whatever is asked of you. And the, the times that I get in trouble is when I try to do too much, especially on the football field. I have a job. This is my job, right? And I try to do too much. I try to do someone else's job. It fucks everything up. It just, everybody has a job. And that's what a team is. That's what an organization is. That's what a business is. You do your job, you do it well good things start to happen. And it's funny when you watch film, um, our coach, Eric Scott, was really good at pointing this out. It's like, okay, you're in the right spot. You caught the ball and now you're fighting for a couple extra yards instead of just going down and it's a first down right here. Then you fumble. Now we don't have the ball back. You know what I mean? Just little stuff. It's like when you just try too hard, but then the next drive, you know, you, you block the guy you're supposed to, and then you get the ball and then you get your touchdown. It's like, see, when you just do your job, shit starts to find you. It's weird how the, how the world works, the energy you put into it, you get back. And I'm a firm believer in that. And it just, that, that simple phrase, do your job. I think that eliminates all fear. I have a job. I prepared for it. Do it. Like keep it simple. Totally. And it's the idea of just for just super basic examples of just like, if your job consists of 10 responsibilities and you're trying to get a promotion, you will not get a promotion for doing those 10 things. No. That's your fucking job. Yeah. Do, do your job. Yeah. Also, Say there's 15 possible responsibilities you have and you do 12 of them, but you only do eight of the original ones that you were asked to do. You're still not doing your job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you do, if you're, you do 12 of the 15 and the first 10 are actually your job and you do two extra things, that's how you get a promotion. Yeah. You get into trouble of by doing other people's jobs when you haven't already done your job. If you've exactly. done your job and done it to a T and excelled at it better than anybody possibly could, and then you take on some more work and excel at that, that's providing extra value. You're going to get a promotion. You're going to start this week, all of those things. Absolutely. But if, but if you start doing somebody else's job and then not taking care of your own job, and you, because mentally you're like, I'm doing this for him. What are you talking about? But yeah, great. But take care of your damn self first. Absolutely. And um, I think that's just, that's keeping it simple. And it goes back to the last podcast when we say, if you're good with a little, you're good with a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Responsibility just keeps building, keeps building, keeps building and do your job. And that's something that, that like, even when I would talk to like scouts, I'm like, dude, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do it. Well, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Whether it's catching punts, holding field goals, running down on whatever the hell you need me to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the best guy for that. And that's how you bring value. Like we talked about last podcast. Um, and I think a thing that comes with fear and a lot of people, and I know a lot of people personally that, that fear um, discomfort and change, like people are so scared of their biggest fear is like change. And I, I sometimes get that way. Like I like schedules. I like, okay, I'm going to the gym this time, I'm going mm-hmm. here. And I get flustered if like, I'm a little late here or like, I didn't start the gym on time or like, you know, my pre-workout's not hitting me right. You know, whatever the case is, like I start to get flustered and then I got to check myself like, dude, chill out. Like, you know, my uncle, uncle Jim, he's yoked. He's awesome, dude. He, and this guy is, he's the most go with the flow dude I've ever met in my life. Like, I feel like if I asked him something or something shit hit the fan, he goes, all right, cool. We'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, 
let, let's answer some questions first. Like, okay, what happened? Well, you know what I mean? Like I'd never seen the guy panic. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of something I've started to learn uh, over the years and being with him and being with my family is like, dude, I've never seen uncle Jim panic or get mad like ever. And I'm like, I want to be like that. Or like nothing fucking phases me. Cause I'm in my own world. I'm not scared of anything. Cause if anything does happen, we'll figure it out and we'll make it work. You know? Totally. And, uh, there's something I only go too deep into this idea, but it's like idea of, okay. Uh, decision-making any decision yes. you make is based off of, uh, just data points. It's all, it's based off the information you have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So all mistakes or failures are, are just data points. So just information. It just helps yeah. you make the next decision better. So once you like this, like the switch flips, you know what I mean? And you go, was it a failure or was that just more data to make a better informed decision next time? Absolutely. Things, you know, things that to turn out differently because it's like, I've seen uncle Jim in action from minor things to like not crazy major things, but like I've seen him just be like, most people would have been a little stressed with like that question you used God. <laughs> and then you responded was just like, all that was was just data. It was just more information to like then go. You yes, know what I mean? It was, yes. it was just like, all it is, it's just more information for the future. That's all it is. It's not like a failure is never going to be like the end of the world. So it's just going to be like that failure. Yeah. It might suck. Don't get us wrong. Failure sucks. Never, never cool. It's just, it always sucks. But using that as more information to make better decisions later, are they going to think be the things that one show you're learning two prove you're learning and three are going to just make your life better because you, you learned. And there was one of those, I read these, uh, this, uh, definition, I think it was yesterday. It was like, uh, I'm not an expert because I have more wins. I'm an expert because I have a lot more losses and I know how to, yeah. I know how to fail way more than God. you do. And I'm an expert because I can skip all those things that you're going to try to fail. Yeah. And it was one of those things I read that and I was like, Shh, that, that makes sense to me. That clicked right there. Keep trying. And like, uh, you know, uncle Jim is probably somebody that like, I like to have on this podcast one day because of how his life, I mean, if you see the way he lives now, I mean, people are like, dude, you have everything, but like he started with nothing. You know what I mean? And yep. he had his high school girlfriend who is now my aunt, aunt Lisa. You know what I mean? They've been together forever. She was with him when he had nothing. It's kind of like that McGregor, like mm-hmm. you know, that whole story of freaking, he's just, at this beat up gym in this shitty house. And he's like, you know what I mean? And him and his, his girls are stuck with him and paid for him to do shit. And he built up this empire. Right. And you know, the thing is, like you said, he, he's always just collecting data. Like that's all you're doing. Okay. There's a little bit more information. He's asking questions and he's just cool, calm and collected. And then he makes a move. You know what I mean? And I'm sure he could talk about stuff as far as business goes with, with the stuff he does. Um, but it's just, it's just, you can't let your emotions and fear get the best of you, man. I mean, you just got to go based off what you know, what you've prepared for and let the, let, uh, let the rest take care of it. Um, and I think, uh, like the point I want to kind of end on, um, which we could talk about for a while, um, for a lot of people, the fear is like, what now? Totally. Like that, that is the biggest question. That is the biggest, um, just like stamp, like I got done with college and I didn't get a phone call on draft day. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, like what the fuck now? You know what I mean? Like, what do I do with my life now? What am I going to, you know what I mean? And so I think that's probably the most common and not even just for athletes for you. Like you dropped out of college. What now? I'm so scared that people are going to think this certain way of me or, or whatever the case is like, what's the next step? Totally. Dude, I dropped out of college with this, false idea of i was going to start a business because i watched a few youtube videos and i was becoming a millionaire and everything was going to be cool and almost 20 grand later um of wasted money in a failed business uh i was stuck living in my parents house you know 20 years old you know not anything crazy spectacular spectacular besides you know wasting a ton of money <laughs> which is sucks but i was stuck with what now of uh do i go back to school do i go back to playing baseball figuring that out Maybe um, I'm in pretty good shape. Maybe it's fitness, you know? Ah, it was one week where I listened to Eminem every day. Maybe it's rapping. Like just everything was an idea <laughs> at that point, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was uh, the thing that hits of what now, dude, hits hard. Whether that's uh, – it's happened a couple times, dude. Of I, uh, you know, I dropped out of school and that business failed. What now? I got fired. Dude, what now? Like getting fired sucks, and that's, that's one that hits real hard and, like – as you get into, you know, quote unquote, the real world, which I think is just a stupid freaking term. Yeah. But it's just like, 
you get fired. And it's like, what now? Cause I'm, yeah, I got fired and it was, dude, it sucked. And I was, I panicked. I was like, dude, I, I have enough to pay one month's rent, not two. Like, what am I going to do? So the idea of what now sucks, but like if I could provide any type of ins- like insight to that idea is, is uh, take a step back and go back to uh, get as much data as you can to make a better decision. That's all it is. It's uh, if it's cause what, creates the what now question. It's like, it's other fears of just like, what now because I've got bills to pay? What now because I have these external people pushing opinions on me and now I'm scared of what they think. It's like, track what actually, what actually matters to you, what you really don't give a shit about. Things that you have to do, you know, it's, it's bills or something like that. It's like, okay, those have to be paid. You know, like things have to get done. And then like list them out on paper, not on a computer, like take a pen and paper, pencil and paper and just list them out. And then it's just like, oh, okay, this is tangible all my fears are on an eight by 11 piece of paper. That's not scary. You know what I mean? Like I can tackle, I can tackle a piece of paper as opposed to a bunch of thoughts that are just like monsters all over the place and you, they're not tangible. The what now question for me, it helped a lot more because the very first time when I dropped out of school, I didn't do any of that. I just, why, why did you drop out of school? Let's tell them that real quick. Why, what, what was the, the, the deciding factor? Like you woke up that morning and you were like, fuck this, like, this is it. Dude, I, uh, okay, oh gosh, this could be a whole entire thing. And I'm, we'll get into it in a lot more detail of the whole yeah. journey of how I've gotten here now. Um, I almost, I didn't want to go to school, go to college at a high school, even though I wanted to play college baseball. Um, but it was because uh, I've been entrepreneurial since I was 16, um, creating websites and writing blogs with my brother, who was an entrepreneur and uh, someone I've always really, really looked up to in the space. Um, and in general, of course, but he kind of introduced me to this world and the and he started like um, he started getting some returns and like um, becoming more and more successful than like anything that I knew was possible at 16. So I was like wondering if that was an opportunity for me. So then I went, I, I decided to go to college and I realized that like um, it was a good idea to go to college because one, I learned how to speak publicly, which is awesome. Which is my favorite class I've ever taken was public speaking debate. But then I realized that, Hey, entrepreneurship was for me. So after I got my AA from a junior college, I decided to transfer to Cal State Fullerton. And I was like, I'm going to apply for the entrepreneurship program because this is what I want to do. Build businesses. That's what I want to do. And I was there for 18 days, maybe. Um, and two, two reasons happened as to why I dropped out of college. I can remember them exactly. Uh, first one was an introduction to business writing. The professor said, you are going to be given this assignment. I think it's bullshit. She said, I think it's bullshit, the first class. I think it's bullshit, but the college says you have to do it. Right there, I was like, this whole entire class is stupid, and I'm not going to listen to anything you say. Next day, that was the very first day. The next day, which is the second day at Cal State Fullerton, which not to knock anything from them because they have a great entrepreneurship program if you need the guidance for that. But this management teacher goes, so we're going to read this book, and this kid goes, when was this book, uh, like, when was this, what year is this book from? He goes, 1985. And this kid goes, we're going to learn from a book from 1985. He goes, yeah, everything still applies. And I was like, um, <laughs> not sure. I don't know if any of what you just said is true, but let's keep going. So then the same kid goes with like five minutes later after this teacher was talking and like, everyone's kind of like, ah, you kind of shot yourself in the foot there a little bit. It, this kid goes, if this is management, a management like 102 class, have you ever been a manager? He goes, no, I've only been a teacher my whole life. Guy said that I sat through the rest of the class. I went to two other classes in the next like two weeks and I never went back, never informed Cal State Fullerton. I literally never went back to school. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I took some great advice where it was like, you know, no disrespect to anybody's parents or anything, but it was almost, it was like, Hey, does your, does your mom run a business? And it's like, no. And it's like, so why would you go to your mom for business advice? You know what I mean? And that really hit me hard because, like, you go to your parents for everything, like money yeah. and all that kind of stuff. If your parents aren't good for money, why would you go to your parents for, for money advice? You know what I mean? So it's like you're, you're looking in the wrong places, and that comes back to our content and what you're listening to, what you're reading. Like, those are the resources of reaching out to people like Luke. You know what I mean? And, and just, just that way. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're searching or asking, barking up the wrong tree. You know what I mean? Um, as far as information goes and yeah, I would walk out of that class too. If you were like, if you teach me how to run a business and manage people and you've never done it in your life, it's like, it, it's hard for coaches like that too. Like, you know, a coach that's never played the position. Sometimes you, you don't take it as serious because you're like, dude, you don't know what I'm going through. You've never been in that situation. Um, 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't try to go coach. I don't play quarterback. I'm not going to go try to coach quarterbacks. I could do exactly what I can. I'll do research. I'll help you as best I can, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I know how to play quarterback. You know what I mean? Um, So, I mean, I guess that's kind of where, you know, this last point we'll kind of end on, I guess, but you know, the what now, I think I could speak for a lot of athletes. We've done some research. We've asked some people and um, I think the what now for, for athletes out of college is the lack of preparation. Like we just feel like we're not ready for anything because we were never taught anything yeah. your whole life. We're taught, well, first of all, the whole, you're, you're, I mean, some people growing up, you're taught, um, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a good job with good benefits. And that's life. Right. Yep. And then like athlete we're taught, okay, everything else is, is, is a side gig. You're an athlete. You're, I mean, the first thing they tell you when you walk on at, Washington state, the first meeting, he says, you're here to go, you're here to play football. You're not here to go to school. And that's the first thing that they say. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, Monday is the day we have off of football. That's for you to do with your school shit, but you still need to come to film. You still need to do all this. You still need to do all that. Right. And it's like, so you can't join certain programs because you, you, you play a sport or you can't have this major because you play a sport play, you know, you take these classes because it looks good on a, on a, on the uh, academic advisors sheet because you're getting A's, but it doesn't, it has nothing to do with what you want to do. And you graduate with this degree that you don't know what to use. And now you're like, what now? So I didn't get drafted, uh, nothing. And everybody left me in the dust. And now I'm just sitting here. And I have a lot of friends that have gone through that, that they're having an identity identity crisis where it's like, all I've ever known was football. I am football. And now it's gone. And like, now I don't know what to do with my life. And you know, I think we're here to provide some insight on that and we could help personally if, if, if you guys reached out to us. But I think the, the biggest value I could bring in that, a, in that aspect is you've learned a lot more than you think you have. And in those sports, you develop these skills that a lot of people haven't. And I think you need to dig deep and see what those skills are. And eventually, you know, nobody knows what they want to do. I still don't know what the fuck I want to do. I'm doing this podcast, but I, I don't know what the fuck I want to do. I could, we could change this next week. You know what I mean? It's just, everything's always evolving. So just don't let fear get in the way of you taking these leaps of faith to try something new or, you know, go to the real world quote unquote and try to start a business and all that stuff and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So, um, like I said, we're here for any advice and anything we could give, like I said, we're not perfect, but we'll help as as best we can. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. I kind of went on a little rant, but you know, that was, that was great because I I think, um, another thing to, to, build off of that was the idea you said preparation and people feel unprepared athletes feel prepared after sports and i think uh fear and confidence i think are things that go hand in hand and people don't really make the connection sometimes and like um if you think about it like this so uh the biggest thing of when you feel like unconfident it's because you don't feel prepared like for whatever situation is you know what i mean yes and then when you're not you're not confident you're afraid you know what i mean so i think they they kind of tie hand in hand of things that um things we could provide but things that i think we could possibly help people like realize is that they're more prepared which is i think we could help people eliminate some fears not not all of them you know but we're not we're not ghostbusters here but if <laughs> yeah. i think uh help people realize that they are more prepared for quote-unquote real life shitty term but more prepared because of the the skills and the mindsets that they've learned yes. within sports and other uh, and other things is the idea of just like uh one you're more prepared so two you should be more confident if you're more co- confident your fear drops and then once your fear drops you're a lot more able to achieve things that you really want to that maybe you priorly didn't feel confident doing you know i mean it all kind of ties back it's all it's all like a big circle of life type of thing and i think that's something that um caleb and i again don't have all of the answers for this things but we have some experience that we think uh can be beneficial and helpful especially with some of the feedback we've got so far and um it's just if you can take like tidbits of our stories um i think you can apply them i think you could certainly twist them and adjust them to to fit your story and your journey um because whatever we do like step for step word for word it's not going to work for you you know we're not ever going to say it is but if you can like take the concepts and apply those to your lives i think we can definitely help you with them conquering some fears, building some confidence and, you know, feeling a lot more prepared than you might right now. Um, Absolutely. And I mean, the one thing I'll just piggyback off of that real quick is, you know, for my college athletes that have graduated, having a degree and being a part of a division one, division two, whatever program it was, that's, that's huge on a resume itself. I mean, that's an accomplishment itself, right? Um, Showing that, like we said, a skill itself is showing that you can go 100% into something and anything and be good at anything. You could probably be good at, at something else, right? 
Um, so just, just knowing that you have those skills that you've applied it in real life is definitely going to, like Luke said, give you that confidence, make you feel prepared. And we're here for anything and anything um, that you guys want to throw at us, ask us questions, just discuss, talk, bounce ideas off each other, whatever it is, we're, we're here for that. This is a family. Um, and like always, we end the podcast with a question of the day. And today it is my uh, job to ask Luke a question. Okay. And, and I've been thinking like all podcasts, like and we, and we don't plan this. This is just kind of like on the spot. Um, yeah. Like I, we, we remind each other, like every, every podcast, it's like, hey, it's your turn. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I'll think of it on the go. And I mean, all I can really think about right now is, and you know, I'm a dreamer. I'm a, I'm a big picture guy. I always look like 20 yep. years down the road. Yep. You're not the only one, John Lennon. Uh, my question to you is, where are you in 20 years? 20 years. That's a long time. It is. Think of it like, like, um, oh, okay. Well, I mean, 20 what do you years do? down the line, you're, like, um, you're 40 something, but like, I'm, for, I'm, I'm 43. Um, 20 years down the line. Um, just, just, just an older, like more accomplished, like, like you've done the th- you've done the things you've wanted to do. What are you doing? Like, what is your ideal day? looking like like if you could take a picture of where you're at right now with who like, you know what i mean like that's okay ideal day is um i'm sitting there with uh 43 wife kids and a few great danes um <laughs> we're on a big old ranch um and in the morning i'm writing my second or third bestseller um <laughs> i'm hitting a podcast um that you and i have been doing for 20 years if the medium is still there um I'm checking in as a president of a company. I'm not a CEO, so I'm not as involved and I'm an investor. So I've made some money and now I'm just advising companies. You know, I'm not sitting there tangibly building them. And um, then I'm running off to watch my kids at practice, taking them to school, um, doing all of the stuff that dads do to be more involved. (laughs) And um, then I'm, you know, doing the lunch in my favorite place, um, eating like a, probably a turkey avocado sandwich with some bacon on it, then uh, picking the kids up from school. This is the perfect day. So, you know, um, <laughs> I'm watching my wife do her thing because I'm going to build a business to where she can work from anywhere. She doesn't have to go into an office unless she wants to. And yeah. then uh, picking the kids up from school, unless they have to go to practice after that. And then I'm... Um, making dinner for the family barbecuing and enjoying some beer some whiskey your wife is drinking wine the kids are happy watching the movie together and then kids are off to bed early and then the adult next podcast <laughs> <laughs> adult talk um wow that was that was awesome and i'm probably right there with you i would just add a gym session in there oh you're know. right you're right 43 years be- old I'm hitting arms. Yeah. At that point, I'm only hitting arms. I'm the jacked ass dad, grandpa. In, in no, you're not even the jacked ass. You're the 43 year old dude with, that's more shredded than the 18 year old kids. We're like, dude, how does that guy get like that? And I'm like, eh, <laughs> I don't know, dude. I just do, I just do curls now. I, I stopped doing abs when I was like 25. Eat your veggies. <laughs> just, no, but um, eat dude, your veggies was, and go to nutrition shop. I don't know. <laughs> that was awesome. That was a great answer, and um, that was a great podcast. I think uh, hopefully you guys listening like that. Um, that topic was, was pretty awesome. I mean, this is all real raw. We honestly don't even have a script. Like we have notes that we take, but we don't, we, this is all on the spot. This is all us riffing off each other. And there's stuff that we talk about for longer that we didn't even write down because ideas come up. So we honestly didn't even get to, so we have notes of, um, a through, um, for this episode, a through I. With a couple of like A1, A2, A3. We got two in this one. I'm trying to find the notes here. We got through. Wow. Wow. C. We got, no, no, no. We didn't get to C. We got through B. We got through B4. Wow. And this goes all the way to I. So because, that'll be another podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can riff off six or seven more podcasts from the rest of this. Yeah. And what's funny is that the notes from A through I are uh, like 120 words total. You know, we don't write down crazy things to say and paragraphs and a bunch of other things. It's just like uh, yeah. some basic ideas. Him and I know each other well. And also that's the whole thing. It's supposed to be on the spot because when it's on the spot and not scripted, it's real raw and honest. So that's how we want to be. Always. And uh, pleasure doing business with you, Luke, and doing this podcast. You know, I love you and uh, appreciate you guys listening. Um, so please, like we said, DMs are always open. Please hit us up and uh, ask us any questions. Yeah, more than anything, thank you guys for our time, or for your time, and our time. You know what I mean? Of course, thank you for our time. 
but more than anything, thank you for your time. Um, a five-star rating, all that stuff is really cool. But I mean, if you could just share this with a friend, you know, just uh, send a text with a link, um, share it via DM, just tell your mom, your dad, your sibling, anything. I'm just like, hey, give these, give these guys, um, give these misfits two minutes. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't like it, cool. I mean, delete the podcast app for all we yeah. care. Well, if you do, can- cool, great. And give us honest feedback, I think, too. It's like, we, we really want to know what you guys think. And if it helps, awesome. If it doesn't, then please let us know that. We, we take constructive criticism well, and we just want to learn and get better every day. So appreciate you guys. Uh, all love, and we'll talk to you next time. Yep, do something cool.